Hello and welcome to the weekend wrap for the week on Wednesday. I am Ben Davison and what a huge second half of the week we've had this week with so much happening. Of course, we saw the Victorian budget announced on Thursday with billionaires and multi-millionaires complaining about having to pay tax on their empty holiday houses. Uh, We also saw the unemployment figures come in and there's some detail there that needs to be broken down and we'll get into that as well. Uh, We also saw Labor uh, federally announce that they would scrap the privatised Indu card. This is the card that is essentially digital food stamps. We'll touch on that. And of course, yesterday we had the Upper Hunter by-election in New South Wales, which was a win for the National Party. A fairly predictable one, really, when you consider they've held that seat for 110 years. But we'll get into some of the discussion around that as well very shortly. Firstly, though, I want to thank our sponsors for the show, Australian Unions. We all want to see positive change in the world, but where do you start? You can start today by joining your union. Union members get things done. We don't just sit around and talk about it. We make it happen through strength in numbers. So go to australianunions.org.au slash wow, that's W-O-W for the week on Wednesday, to sign up now. Don't forget to check out our sponsors, Australian Unions, and join up. If you're not a union member, today's the best day to join. So firstly, let's get on to the Victorian budget. So (laughs) this has been an interesting one. Jerry Harvey, of course, has come out and called it stupid and ridiculous to uh, make big businesses pay a small amount more in payroll tax to help fund mental health services in Victoria. We're talking about a record multi-billion dollar package of mental health services and mental health reforms worked on with people in the sector, with unions, with the workers, uh, coming out of the Mental Health Royal Commission. This is really about funding the future of our state and the people of our state. But of course, people like Jerry Harvey just do not want to pay tax. They do not want to contribute their fair share. You might remember that when he was being asked to return some of the JobKeeper money that he had taken, the $44 million of JobKeeper money that he had taken despite having record profits, he said that it was only a small amount of money, and that's why he wouldn't return it, but also that he would end up paying back even more than that in taxes. Well, guess what, Jerry? You got what you wished for. Here are the taxes, mate. It's time to pay up. The people of Victoria need that money. Mental health is an absolute ongoing chronic pandemic in our society. And frankly, big business plays more than its fair share in creating the issues that people are dealing with in trying to come to terms with their mental health. The structural issues around insecure work, the structural issues around disconnection from community, the structural issues caused by long commutes and long hours uh, and pressure in the workplace. You know, for big businesses to say that they don't want to make a contribution to this, that they somehow don't feel it's their responsibility, is, well, not surprising, but very disappointing. Another major uh, point of contention, I suppose, in the Victorian budget this week was the decision to increase land taxes and stamp duties on multi-million dollar properties. These are not these are not homes that change hands. These are multi-million dollar properties. The only people who live in homes like this, if I can call them that, are people who already have very large personal wealth, very large fortunes. Most of the properties that are going to be subjected to this are actually vacant. That's what the uh, information says, that these are not uh, homes. These are, in fact, holiday houses. 
these are statement pieces, these are sort of trophies of the, of the rich and powerful. It is perfectly, perfectly legitimate. And in my view, if anything, we should be taxing these people even more. There are homeless people in Victoria. There are people waiting for social housing. There are young people who cannot afford to get into the market. And yet now we see multi-millionaires with multi-million dollar properties saying they shouldn't have to pay a couple of thousand dollars more in tax. Well, I know many farmers whose rates have gone up who have to pay a couple of thousand dollars more to have the farm, to make food, to help feed our state. Yet these multi-millionaires, often in the finance sector, often part of global corporations, who frankly, I don't think contribute even a percentage of what some of our farmers in regional Victoria contribute, they're the ones, those multi-millionaires, who are arcing up. Well, I say tax them and tax them again because Victorians need better housing, we need better infrastructure, and those who can afford it uh, should be made to pay. So that's the Victorian budget. I'm not going to get into all the ins and outs of the Victorian budget. This is not. This is a national show, but you should check it out. There's some really good progressive policy in there. Uh, unemployment stats, going back to the national level, the unemployment stats were down. We're down this week to 5.5%. Now, <laughs> you've got to remember, though, over 108,000 people dropped out of looking for work. And in addition to that, in addition to that, 30,000 people lost their jobs. So even though the unemployment rate came down, it was partly because so many people stopped looking for work. So there were fewer jobs, but even more people stopped looking for work and therefore the unemployment rate comes down. That, folks, is how statistics gets you, right? Like that's why people go, well, lies, lies, and damn statistics. Because frankly, the reality of the situation is there are still roughly 2 million Australians unemployed or underemployed, can't get enough hours to put food on the table, pay the bills. They need work, you know. These are people out of work. These are people who need work. And there are people who have now given up looking for work. And yet the Morrison government struts about pretending as though everything's grand and great because of this situation. You know, there are pockets of the economy where people, businesses are looking for for people and there are pockets of the economy where people cannot find work. And at the same time, all this downward pressure on wages, you know, it's, it's a real economic conundrum that needs national leadership but unfortunately we're not going to get it we're going to get this let the market rip and whenever players in the market get big enough they'll go and lobby to ease the pressure that would lift wages by trying to bring in say more exploitable temporary migrant workers or capping wages in the public sector or whatever it might be so the unemployment figures at a surface level look good there's no question about that and that's what the morrison government is spinning but when you dig underneath, more people dropped out of looking for work. More jobs were destroyed. Uh, underemployment remains very, very high. And roughly 2 million Australians who want work cannot get work or get enough work to meet their needs. This is a huge problem. It's not going to go away by tinkering with statistics and by window dressing policy. It's got to be done at a fundamental level. The public sector needs to grow. We need to lift wages in this country. We need to have real investment in advanced manufacturing. And we need to rebuild our education and training sectors so that there's not just jobs there now, but they're providing and building the skills for jobs tomorrow, the day after, the year after, the decade after. That's what needs to happen. Morrison is just not got it in him to make that a reality. The 
Labor Party also announced this one almost slipped under the radar a little bit with all the other bits and pieces going on this week because there was quite a lot of quite a lot of news. Of course, I'm not going to get into COVID this week. It's still a schmuzzle. We're still millions and millions and millions of doses behind. Check your local news t- in terms of when you can get a vaccine and I encourage you to get it. Um, I know some people listened to our show this week and responded that they were going to stop listening because we keep talking about people getting a vaccine. We're not going to stop talking about that. Vaccines are good. Vaccines are what is needed. Vaccines save lives. Uh, I'm not going to tolerate or entertain conspiracy theories about vaccines when you can get a vaccine, go and get a vaccine, right? And if you don't like that and you decide not to listen to our show anymore because you disagree with that, well, I'm sorry that you feel that way, but that you need to really take a good hard look at yourself and, and realise that vaccines are why we don't have smallpox and tuberculosis. You know, vaccines vaccines keep people alive in this country and around the world. You know, we don't have polio because of vaccines. Um, so really just encourage you to take a vaccine. Um, so the Indu card, Labor has announced that it will scrap the Indu card. For those of you who know what this is, or for those of you who don't know what this is, the Indu card is a privatised digital food stamp. That's the best way I can describe it. You get a plastic card where 80% of your government support payment is locked away and you can only use it at certain stores that will accept that card. You can't withdraw cash, you can't use it for other purposes um, to pay other bills or whatever it might be. You can only use it for uh, spending in those particular shops that will accept it. Now, this is a card that at some points has been reported as costing up to $10,000 a card for the government to to run this program. Uh, And it's also been reported that it's owned by Twiggy Forest. Uh, the multi-billionaire mining uh, baron over in WA there. This is a highly controversial program. It is, frankly, in my view, outrageous and unacceptable. And it's also outrageous and unacceptable in the view of the Australian Labor Party and uh, its leader, Anthony Albanese, who has announced that they will scrap this program, except where there are specific communities that request it. And look, from my perspective, the Self-determination means that if communities want to work together uh, on particular policy programs or particular rollouts of things that help that community, we should encourage that. I have no problem with that. I, I would have a problem with it being mandated for everybody. I would have a problem. I do have a problem with us saying that a privatised uh, welfare system is the welfare system that will apply to all Australians, that there will be a billionaire making money out of the provision of digital food stamps while denying Australians their basic right to choose the things they wish to buy and how to live their lives, because that's effectively what it does. Uh, and thankfully, Labor is saying, no, we will not do this. No, we will not embrace this privatised model of service provision, this privatised model of support for Australian people, because the Australian people deserve proper support. They deserve the right to use that support, how they see fit, to further improve their lives. Because some people use government support payments to put a little bit away, to fund that next piece of education that they want to do, to make sure that their car is in good shape so they can get to a job. There's all sorts of things that people put away a little bit for when they can. There's not, I mean, there's barely any money there, right? And we're now going to say to people, or the Morrison government's trying to say to people, well, we're going to essentially take away 80% of that cash um, as it stands. So look, I think it's a great announcement by Labor to scrap the in card. Um, but again, it's another reason why we have to change the government. If you don't change the government, you're going to find that eventually all support payments will be this form of digital food stamps. 
where you'll get given a card, you'll get told which shops you can go to. And let me tell you, it won't be the corner store. If you're a small business owner, the things like the injury card are the last thing you want to happen because it'll be Coles, it'll be Woolworths, it'll be these, the mega stores, it'll be the oligarchy taking the money out of the pockets of Australians, firstly through taxes to give to the privatised owners and then taking it out of the pockets of small businesses by not letting them get the money that people would otherwise spend. Now, finally, I do want to talk about the Upper Hunter by election. This happened yesterday, uh, and of course, uh, Upper Hunter has been a National Party seat for 110 years. There was a lot of hope, I think, that uh, because the person who had had the seat resigned in scandal, uh, because John Barillaro is just an absolute loon uh, in terms of being out there on these issues, like he just, you know, he, he reminds you of one of those birds, one of those loon birds, that's what I'm talking about, just running around making all this noise. Um, he's, the Nats have, however, uh, held the seat. Uh, they have held the seat. Their primary dropped three points. Labor's primary was down nine. One Nation uh, was in the field for the first time in this seat, and they got 14% of the vote. Uh, and when you look at it, what it looks like really has happened here is that One Nation has picked up what the people who've left the Nats and the people who've left the ALP and then a few bits and pieces. Independents uh, got eight, three, something like that. Um, Shoes, Farmers and Fishers got 13. So the, the reality of this situation is that actually not a huge amount has changed. Not a huge amount has changed. If anything, um, it's simply that One Nation entered the field uh, and people in the Upper Hunter have given their vote over to One Nation, which when you think about the 2019 election and how well One Nation did in the seat of Hunter, uh, federally, it's not surprising. Federally, they got uh, something like 20, 22% of the vote. So in actual fact, if you think of it that way, the One Nation vote is down on what it was at a federal level. But this does show that in the regions, in, particularly in this sort of region, there is a disconnect from what the major parties are offering, including the traditional sort of, well, we're not a major party, we're a party of the country, we're the nationals. Uh, there's a real disconnect. Now, a lot has been made of the Morrison government announcing a $600 million gas plant for this area. Now, I want to point out that a $600 million investment in the area could have been made into a new hospital. You know, the, the, Sydney's uh, North Shore Hospital cost $600 million. You know, it has 650 ongoing jobs. Uh, the gas plant will have 10 ongoing jobs. Now, there is a big, there is a big divide between those two things. You know, there's a big cultural divide between those two things, a big ideological divide between those two things, where on one hand you're saying that regions are really only good to be extracted from. That's, that's what that says. When I hear there's going to be a gas plant put in Upper Hunter, not a hospital, I'm hearing that the government believes regions like the Upper Hunter are for extraction. A hospital would say Upper Hunter is where people live. Upper Hunter is where people need jobs. Upper Hunter is where people need services. But that's not the message that the Morrison government delivered. And look, at the end of the day, they've held on. They've held on, the coalition, in Upper Hunter. And there'll be lots of discussions about the Labor brand, the Labor leader, Joel Fitzgibbon. You know, I also, also want to just say this about Joel Fitzgibbon. You know, Joel Fitzgibbon has been out there for a solid, well, 
three years at least, spruiking around um, coal, gas, and we have to um, be more supportive of uh, extractive industry. Now, I am supportive of extractive industry. I believe Australia is a very uh, efficient extractor of minerals. Uh, I'm not supportive of the models by which we do it. I'm not supportive of burning coal uh, in mass quantities. What I'm also supportive of, however, is being an honest player in in this situation. And that, that is to say, Joel Fitzgibbon suddenly realising, because he lost 20% of his vote, that people care about jobs in their community and then latching on to coal as the answer doesn't strike me as honest. It doesn't strike me as honest and I'm, I'm sure looking at these sorts of results, it's not striking people in these regions as an honest response. So I would urge people, I would urge people not to make knee-jerk, reactive, reactionary responses to these things, but to look at what's actually going on. Because I think, personally, I live in a region. I want my region to be supported. I want people who live here to be able to get jobs here. I want people who live here to be able to get services here. I want people who live here to get the benefits of our minerals, of our farmland. I don't want it all to go somewhere else. And I think that's part of the problem. That's part of the issue uh, in places like Upper Hunter and places like here. So I would urge Joel Fitzgibbon and other regional MPs of all stripes to stop and think a little bit more about their comments and to stop and think a little bit more about people's reaction to those comments. Because I don't think simply dusting some coal dust on your face, Matt Canavan, or putting on the suit and saying, I'm going to advocate for more coal mines, Joel Fitzgibbon, is actually going to deliver electoral support in the way you think it will. I think we're all a bit smarter than that, and I think we can all see through that sort of thing. Instead of a gas power plant that barely ever runs and only employs 10 people, imagine the difference a new hospital that employed 650 people could have made to that community. This has been the weekend wrap. And once again, a big thank you to our sponsor, Australian Unions. We all want to see positive change in the world, but where do you start? You can start today by joining your union. Union members get things done. We don't just sit around and talk about it. We make it happen through strength of numbers. So whether it's higher wages, safer workplaces, more secure, regular work in union, we can deliver. So go to australianunions.org.au slash wow, that's W-O-W for week on Wednesday, to sign up now. So remember, be kind to yourself and each other. Bye.